Welcome to Old Books with Grace. I'm Dr. Grace Hammond, writer and medievalist, and I'm so pleased to welcome Kayla Craig to Old Books with Grace today. A former journalist, Kayla Craig is adamant about paying attention and embracing curiosity in her work as a writer and podcast producer. She writes nuanced, nurturing prayers at Liturgies for Parents on Instagram and co-founded the Upside Down Podcast, a place for ecumenical conversations on faith and justice. Professionally, she writes, produces, and edits prayers and podcasts for Christian spiritual formation. And Kayla and her pastor husband, Johnny, live in Iowa, where they're raising four young kids who join their family via birth and adoption. And I'm really excited to have Kayla with us today because her new book came out recently, um, which is called To Light Their Way, Liturgies for Parents. And I've been using it and I'm excited about it. Um, and as always, I'm, I'm fascinated by the ways that the past, especially the writings of the past, can spiritually form us today. So I really wanted to have a conversation with her about old books, liturgy, and how we can think about prayer inflected by the past yet relevant to our present. So welcome, Kayla. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you could be here. So I like to begin every um, podcast episode with a guest with a couple questions just so that we can get to know you a little bit with a fun literary flair. So the first question is, what is your favorite book or author from more than 50 years ago? Yeah, I think this is honestly like even including new books, I would still go with this one and it's A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Oh my gosh, I love that book. Okay, I have to confess, I have not read it, which is really oh, bad. But I'm I, my 20th century uh, is weak, so. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it feels like you could read, it could have been written today mm. as like historical fiction. Like it's just, it's so relevant. It speaks to so much of what's happening in our world right now. And it's so immersive and character driven, but also like this, this like, beautiful real life world building and um yeah the main the main character is a writer too so gotta love that well I will have to add it to my list and get to it now the second question is which literary character do you most identify with and why the first person that comes to mind when I think of that is probably Meg from A Wrinkle in Time. Good um, answer. Yes. Yeah. I just, I think back to when, you know, she's told that she needs to hold on to that anger because she'll need it. And just the strength that she um, draws from kind of that, that inner wondering and, and wanting to help set things right in the world and the, the curiosity that she has. And I think I can relate to that. Oh, that's such a good answer. A Wrinkle in Time is one of those books, like, you know, that C.S. Lewis quote where he writes, um, when I was young, I loved fairy tales. And then I wasn't into that. And now that I'm truly grown up, I just want to read fairy tales all the time. I feel like yeah. A Wrinkle in Time is a book like yes. that, <laughs> where yeah. you read it when you were young and you loved it. And then mm-hmm. for a while as a young adult, it seemed like a kid's book. And now again, it's like, yes. oh my gosh, this is so relevant. <laughs> yes. I, I read it, you know, a couple of years back again. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, yeah, exactly. Like what you said. I thought this was like really good as a kid, but reading it as an adult, you just see everything that 
I mean, Madeline Lingle is incredible and I love everything she writes, um, including her nonfiction, but yes, I just read, um, her walking on water book. Oh my gosh. I would, I, I turn back to that book probably once a year, not through the whole thing, but it's just, it's underlined and marked up and gosh, it's so, it's so good. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I went this long without reading it. I, as a, as a woman who's also creative, it is, I mean, and I think men and people who don't identify as creative will also get as much out of it. But as in that category, I felt like it, it spoke so deeply. So good. So good. Oh, awesome. Well, um, Let's talk about your book. Could you begin by describing liturgies for parents more fully for those who haven't encountered it yet, who aren't on social media and following you? Could you kind of tell us um, about the trajectory of the project? Yeah, and it was about a little, probably early in the year in 2020 before everything changed so (laughs) so largely um I was really feeling like as a parent as a mother to four children um who also cares deeply about what's going on in the world who's very much informed by my faith and my spirituality that I was wanting um to to pray and not having the words to pray. You know, I'm, I'm seeing the headlines. I'm seeing um, things happen in real life, you know, in our everyday kind of quote unquote ordinary lives, but then also these bigger extraordinary moments and wishing I had the words and kind of started fleshing out um, some prayers of my own kind of modern liturgies, which are written prayers Um and, uh, and, and seeing if anybody else would resonate with them, if, if they would mean something to other parents who are raising kids in, in complicated times and turbulent times. And I, I started an Instagram account, as a millennial does, and started sharing <laughs> um, my prayers on there, an account called Liturgies for Parents. And um, it turns out other people were struggling to find the words too, you know? So, um that kind of turned into a collection of more than 100 modern prayers and liturgies that kind of are rooted in this ancient truth um, that we don't have to always have the words. We can borrow the words of another Mm. um, that are kind of deeply anchored in the Christian tradition, but also like incredibly relevant to very specific things going on in our in our lives. So that is kind of, um, a little bit about what that is. They're just short, hopefully accessible prayers. Some people have called them poetry, which is so generous (laughs) 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 because I don't, you know, my background is in journalism, which is so not poetry. So to hear somebody say that when they read uh, my prayers, it it feels like poetic to them. Um, it's very humbling. Hmm. That's, um, you kind of already anticipated my next question for you, which is something I've been thinking about a lot, which is um, how do you define the word liturgy? Is it just that it means that the prayer is written down? And also what's helpful about liturgy versus just like a private prayer? 
I heard somebody define liturgy and, and we all have different, you know, traditions yes, or non-existent right. traditions and, and how that word is used. But I heard somebody say that liturgy is prayers of the people. And mm-hmm. that really stuck with me because I find it so comforting that sometimes, you know, I don't know what to pray. I don't have the words mm-hmm. to pray. And so borrowing the words of another is such a comfort to me. Um, and helps me reorient my heart to the divine, to God in a way that maybe I wouldn't if I'm struggling to like grasp for just the right words, you know, right. and I get too distracted and lost and I miss, you know, I miss what was right in front of me because I'm getting too caught up in um, trying to pinpoint what exactly it is instead of really entering into a dialogue that God is already having with me entering into listening instead of Mm -hmm. just talking. And I find that liturgy, um, the written prayers of another, is something that is so beautiful because not only are they my prayers, but they're your prayers too. Mm -hmm. And there are prayers and we're praying them together. And these are prayers, you know, that people have prayed, are praying and will pray. And it's such an anchor to me when it feels like the world is so out of control. And so just like, <laughs> I try to find my footing and trying to find my footing sometimes and faith can be really difficult. And so it feels like solid ground sometimes to stand on the prayers of another. Definitely. And I, I really relate uh, to what you're saying and your words resonate with me specifically in this stage of parenthood. Um, where I often feel like my, and I'm, (laughs) I'm an introvert and sometimes it feels like my word capacity is just completely exhausted. Like I don't have the depth and the capacity to pull out more words, but I know that I need to return to that well of prayer. And so it, um, it, it feels so reassuring and also so helpful to have words given to me. Um, I really love that idea. And I think it's very timely, as you were saying, both for 2020, 2021, and um, in the life stage, particularly of parenting young children, where you're just sort of like a wrung out towel a lot of days, honestly, or at least that's how I feel. Yes, I know it is. And it can feel like so much because not only is everything going on and the outside world, but there's so much going on in your inner world as a parent in like your home in the lives of your children. And it can feel like so much like, like I physically sometimes feel like there's like a weight on my chest or something on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I can borrow the words of another, when I can enter into prayer, whether that's just like my breath being a prayer, whether it's, you know, entering into a time of, um, just sitting and being with God, um, whatever it is, I feel like those moments I can literally feel that weight off my chest or that weight off my shoulders. And that's what I hope that I can be able to give to somebody else in those moments where you're like, has anybody ever gone through this? Yes. The answer is yes. Um, and hopefully, you know, there's, there's over a hundred prayers in the book, but you know, there's so many more situations, but I hope that there are um, times when you, when you're going through a struggle or when you're, even you're celebrating and you're, you're looking for a prayer that, that matches up with something that is bringing you a lot of joy that you can just have that 
you know, to turn to that weight to be lifted off your shoulders. So you can be reminded of your belovedness and of, and of God's love for you and for the children in your life and, and for your neighbors. So, um, your book is a really interesting blend of, uh, liturgy is such a, such an ancient practice, right? It's been around since the very beginning of the church in, in different forms. Um, and you bring that sensibility into this book, but your prayers are also things that are so modern. Like one of the ones that's standing out to me while I'm thinking about this is that there's like a, a prayer for when you know somebody who's in the NICU at a hospital, which, um, is, is so, um, profound because that's a time where words are really hard to come by, but also this is um, taking this ancient form and adapting it to this extremely modern situation. And I would love to know more about how ancient liturgies or ancient prayers of the past affected your um, writing process, your prayer process as you crafted this book. I mean, I think we can look all the way back to the Psalms and mm. the, the psalmist. And like, those are written prayers that are really very intimate and vulnerable with God. And we can borrow those and make those our own. And I think that really sets the tone for like one way to pray, you know, is, is to, you know, we can pray spontaneously, but also we can, we can pray in more, more of a rhythmic form or of kind of, you know, a song, you know, there yes. our prayers can be so many different things. And so, you know, um, the book of common prayer that the Episcopal church uses is so beautiful and so rich. And I am not Episcopalian, but I have borrowed so much from that in my life, knowing that if I'm stuck, if I'm the, the well is completely dry, if I have no idea what to pray or how to pray or a situation has come up or there's like a, a holiday or a holy day and I'm just not sure what to do or even just like ordinary time, you know, in the church calendar and it's just kind of wanting to pray but not sure where to begin. I know I can always go there. Um and it's just rooted in scripture and kind of this uniting force um, throughout time, throughout space, tradition, background, denomination. Um, we can unite in our prayers. And that comes all the way back um, through scripture. So. And um, did you like grow up comfortable with uh, liturgy with the idea of liturgy. Cause I know, um, I grew up for example, in the American evangelical church. Uh, now I attend an Episcopalian church. Now I've also migrated towards a, a liturgical tradition, um, partially because of that uniting force, because of those deep roots that stretch back for centuries. Um, but, uh, for a long time, I thought that uh, prayers that you read were less like authentic or less um, meaningful than than the prayers that uh, that you were coming up with, like out of your heart spontaneously. Um, and I know that other people wrestle with that, especially folks who grew up in a similar tradition to mine. Um, how do you? 
How do you recommend for people who are curious or interested in, in trying this out and are not that familiar with liturgy, what would you say to them? You know, I didn't even know. <laughs> I did not grow up evangelical, so I didn't even know that that was like a wrestling. And then I've talked to so many people and they're like, you know, my background <laughs> was like, oh, red print, you know, and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Like that just, and my husband did too. That was his um, very evangelical, fundamentalist, Baptist background. And I grew up... Um, Presbyterian, but also in like large stretches of like not even attending church. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had like a really broad view of, of faith. I've been in so many different traditions throughout my um, kind of faith journey. I talk about it a little in the book. And I think there's so much to draw from so many traditions and how different um, people approach prayer and there's a lot of beauty in a lot of different ways of praying. And I think that is what is such a gift is that God is like so big and creates such a wide, like, look at it. All of us are so different. All of us communicate with each other in different ways. So why wouldn't we all pray in different ways? But mm, absolutely. I just want to like underline that there's not a wrong way to enter into conversation with God. There is no right or wrong it's it's our hearts where's our heart mm -hmm. if if you're reading something and you're not paying attention and you don't care and it just feels like empty to you then obviously like that's not the right thing you know if you're also if you're praying and you're being really performative and and big and <laughs> you know flourishes and a special uh -huh. voice like that's not right either <laughs> so right. um you know I think that Liturgy can be really beautiful if you enter into it with the right heart and the right mind and just kind of open hands. Um, and there's, it's just like one tool in our toolbox, right? Like there, are, I pray, you know, and in, in times in my life that are definitely not liturgical prayers, but um, you know, we have the Holy Spirit that intercedes for us with even wordless groans. Like we don't mm -hmm. even have to have any words at all. And God hears us and God knows our hearts. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers. No, I mean, it's kind of a hard question. Do you have like, uh, like practice? Okay. This sounds so silly. Um, but I think sometimes it's the practical, like the practicalities of it that make, like people are like, I don't know how to like read a prayer. Like what, how, um, how have you like found that space in the past? Yeah. Um, is it, is it inflected just that you grow more and more comfortable into it? Or mm. do you, do you do specific things to create a space where it feels where your reading can become more con contemplative, like lighting right. a candle or um, yeah. things like that? Yeah. That I think that it's, you know, whatever works for you mm -hmm. in the season of life that you're in and it changes day to day, probably if you're like me. <laughs> so, yes, you know, I think it's like, grab, grab and go, throw it in your bag mm. through a prayer at pickup line. If that is like, you know, or yeah. if you're on a train and you're commuting or, you know, maybe, maybe it is in the morning, you know, when you have your coffee or your tea, or if you're like me, mornings are chaos and that's definitely not going to work. So maybe you can keep it on your bedside table and read a prayer at night, or maybe it's something that, you know, for the holidays and holy days, you keep it 
on the coffee table and you turn to it and that's something that you just put five minutes into to pray and to let the words become your own. Um, I'm a huge fan when I'm writing, when I'm reading, um, when my little children that, um, you know, can start fires are not around. <laughs> I like to light a candle because there is something that's really rooting for me and kind of mm. setting the tone, but also there are huge moments of my life and entire weeks and months where that's not going to happen. And so it's letting, you know, my breath be a prayer. And then mm. there's a whole section of breath prayers in the book, which is just like a, you pray on an inhale, a very short phrase, and then you exhale and you pray a really short phrase and they're all pulled um, or inspired by, by scripture. And it's mm. just, maybe that's all I have in the tank for me right now. Um, and then maybe there are times where it's like, I really want to sit with a longer prayer and, and hold that tight and, and, you know, pray it as I'm, maybe I want to read it out loud. Maybe I want to read it with a partner, um, or a friend or a parenting group or church. So it's been really beautiful to hear people now that the book has been out just a couple of months, but like getting messages and texts and emails from people being like, oh my gosh, you know, like you had mentioned the prayer for the NICU, but it's like, oh my gosh, my sister-in-law is in the hospital. And I was able to take a picture of the book and pass it on to her and let mm. her know, like, you know, not only am I praying, but this is what I'm praying for you. That's really beautiful. And you can pray it too. And there's just so seeing that, like, it's like the prayers are alive and mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not like meant to just be like, shut up and, and, you know, dusty and old. But like, I think that the power of the Holy Spirit is that we have new life in these, in these words and these prayers, and they can mean, we can pray the same thing and it can mean something totally different to me Mm -hmm. than it does to you. And, um, it's just one way to enter into what I think is the conversation that God is having with us all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, do we just have to like slow down and actually pay attention to it? Yes. Um, Okay, I have a question for you. You brought up the breath prayers, which I I love that idea because so often I think uh, what you said is is so typical of me where it feels like there's not enough in the tank mm-hmm. to go for a longer prayer, like you lose focus. But if you are centering it um, in your breathing and in, in your body and it's very short, it can, yes. it, uh, it feels like I can focus for that. But I was wondering... And this just occurs to me off the top of my head as I'm listening to you. Do you know much about the history of a prayer practice like that, of, of breath prayers? I mean, I kind of went down a rabbit, a rabbit yeah. trail as I was working on the book because my editor was like, let's let people know, like, this is not a modern thing. Yes. Like, might, like people might be doing that, but this has existed as a contemplative practice for like millennia, right? Like yes. it's been around for a long time. And it's like, it's true. Like it's really, you can't even pinpoint when exactly it has started because it has been across so many different Christian so, traditions. And so what were some of the resources you used on that? Cause I, I think that like, um, especially folks who are say coming like the opposite of what I was saying, like coming from a more liturgical background Mm -hmm. to approach your book and going, Oh, this isn't in my BCP or in my like, you know, book of hours or whatever it is. Um, Like, could you tell us about 
some of the places where you could find that ancient idea? Well, I started going through, um, it seemed like every different denomination had something mm. kind of on their official websites about that. Okay. And kind of, yeah, like that was really um, interesting to me. Um, I'm not an academic and I'm not like super seeped in high church tradition. So, um, you know, I, I can't go like super down um, giving you lots of specifics, but I did spend a lot of time. Um, my denomination is, right now that my husband's a pastor in is the Reformed Church of America. Um, and we do a lot of different types of um, liturgy. So it was interesting to see. It was also interesting to see people take different spins on it. So like mm. what I have done, what has been a helpful practice in my life and what I incorporated in this book was, you know, really inspired by scripture, like kind of almost mm-hmm. like sometimes word for word. Um, but breath prayers can also be something more like a meditation mm. that, or like a affirmation that you pray um, that is kind of rooting yourself back in your body. And then there's like the whole kind of like psychological spin on it where it's like a really like kind of a centering practice um, psychologically where you're kind of reminding yourself of your breath and your body and where you are and, you know, kind of naming something you see and something you smell and something you can touch and, and being very aware, um, but also kind of incorporating your spirituality. So it's really interesting. And it, it was interesting that there was a lot of like, oh yeah, this is a practice. This is an ancient practice, but it's like, but but how and why you know (laughs) like that the verbal tradition that has been passed down Mm -hmm. and and I think there isn't you know a specific right way or wrong way to do it it's just whatever you know works for you I think that's what makes thinking and talking about prayer so interesting and challenging um I was writing this piece about prayer and in in the work of um, Julian of Norwich, who is this 14th century contemplative writer who's so wonderful. But I started doing, like trying to research some prayer stuff. And, and you're right. Like a lot of what's out there is startlingly vague. I was like, oh, we don't really have a perfect way to say it. Yeah. (laughs) We don't have like that. So something (laughs) I did find that it was funny. I pulled this out this morning um, in preparation to talk to you and I had bought this a book called Women's Books of Hours in in medieval England and was looking through it. And Books of Hours, for those of you um, listening, are are books that basically collected prayer for different times of day and um, often prayed like the offices of Mary or um, prayed through the Psalms or prayed through Christ's life, depending on what kind of book it was. So... um, but I pulled it out and I was looking through it and I was, I was so struck by some of the similarities between what you have in a totally modern context and what these books of ours were offering um, with their really? written prayers. So like, for example, the page I have open and I was just flipping through it. I was not looking very intentionally. Here's one that's a prayer for peace and concord in marriage, you know, where you're like, oh, and there's ones for 
obviously for sickness, prayers in and times of trouble. And this is from medieval times. These are this is medieval. So these some of these prayers That's are in incredible. English. Some of them what? are in Latin. Wow. Some of them are in um, Anglo Norman, which is like a sort of bastardized French, like post Norman invasion. But I I just was like, oh my gosh, I have to bring this up because That's so so cool. Yes. So I just um. So the, the waters are fuzzy, but oh, so here's one for healthy body, clear wits, and a good memory. Like you go, <laughs> I need that one. <laughs> so like, oh my gosh, like this, um, this idea that you are uh, helping make accessible to folks is, uh, and and the waters can be so murky when you're you're trying to dig deep into mm-hmm. prayer practices, but. Uh, I loved it. I was flipping through that. I was like, oh my gosh, like in the 14th century, these women and these books were written for women. Um, mm. Often they were written by men, but then women would adjust them or add their own prayers into them. Um, it was this very vibrant feminine spirituality with them. Um, but but it, it so pairs with to light their way um, and these, mm. these liturgies for parents. So anyways, um, I love that. It's just like there's nothing new under the sun, totally. right? And it's like we, as a as as women, as men, like as humans, we have been praying, you know, ever ever yes. since we've existed, right? Like there's something innate, I think, in us, whether we call it prayer or we call it something else. Like we have that desire as human beings yes. to to wonder and to enter into the mystery of prayer, um, whether or not we even know. That's what we're doing, I think. So. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. And and for those of you listening, if you wanted to take a closer look at that book, um, it's Women's Books of Hours in Medieval England, Selected Texts, and it's translated by Charity Scott Stokes. Um, and it is uh, published by D.S. Brewer. But um, anyways, one side note, but fascinating to see that and go, oh, it's really encouraging to me. And I think that's one of the, most encouraging things about like the liturgies you've written is, is that, um, and, and when you read this medieval stuff is that you realize, oh, we're all wrestling with so many similar things Mm. and, um, the Lord is with us and we are with each other and the body of Christ is so big. And and I love that. Yes, me too. I think that's, you know, a lot of people are walking through times of deconstruction, right now mm-hmm. and, and, and disentangling and wondering. And I think what is so rooting for me, like deeply root, keeping me rooted is knowing that like, there is nothing new under the sun. Just like we said, like there are people who have walked, maybe not the exact same, but such similar things. Mm. And that this is, this faith is a, a living and breathing faith and um, has lasted you know, up till now and will last so much longer. And, and I just get to be part of, part of it. Mm, Definitely. Well, um, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to start digging up the breath prayer thing. Cause now that that's on my mind, I'm like, I really want to know why people are saying, oh, this has been around for centuries and you're like, but you aren't citing it. Like a lot of people are (laughs) saying that where, you know, is it oral tradition? Is there something? Yes. And I'm sure it partially is oral tradition. And a lot of the, the ancient liturgies have 
like these titles that then you pause between them and stuff like that. So I wonder if, mm-hmm. if they're interpreting those pauses as breath sure. spots yeah. or, or something, but I don't know enough. More research. Um, <laughs> always more. Always more. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I have way too many books to read, but Oh, I, I know. Stop. Same. I'm like, Ooh, I really want to get that one. You're just talking about. Also, I'm looking at my desk right now. The files are just, you know, real Yay, high. high, but yes. there's always room for one more book. That is my motto for sure. Yes. And so related to that, um, do you have a favorite book on prayer or other resources that you can recommend other than your book for people who are really interested in, in learning more about um, prayer in general, which is such a, as we said, such a big, capacious, tough, difficult, also strangely simple thing, you know, um, mm-hmm. that, that you could share with us? Yes, I have so many suggestions. So I'm looking at my bookshelves right now, like trying to narrow yes. it down. Yes, um, well, I believe, I'm taking notes. So you, know, um, you mentioned the the BCP that yes. is like always near um, to me. Let me grab a couple more, and I will I will um, list them off. <laughs> Perfect. And while Kayla is is looking at those and and thinking about it, I think. Um, if you're interested in learning more about um, medieval prayer or practicing medieval prayer, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite medieval prayer books is the Aquinas prayer book, um, which I often read at the start of episodes when I'm doing a, a bigger series that is more scholarly intensive. I read his prayer before study, which is a wonderful liturgical resource. And so um, the Aquinas prayer book, the prayers and hymns of Thomas Aquinas, which is translated and edited by Robert Anderson and Johann Moser and published by the Sophia Institute Press is one that if you're interested in medieval prayer is uh, wonderful. Okay. So Kayla is back with her prayer resources. (laughs) Okay. So I will say there is an index in to like their way and the books that I've pulled from um, obviously have been formative. So please, you know, check those out as well. Um, and some of these are quoted in the book, but um, daily prayer, this one right here. And I don't honestly know how to say his name. Oh, it's an Irish name. And okay. the, the Irish names are always good times. Uh, yes. Pa- it's it's the Irish name for Patrick. I think it's Patrick Otwama. Maybe. Okay, forgive okay. me, Irish listeners. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's beautiful. It's very simple. Um, it's a small book that is just incredibly accessible. What was the title of that one again? And it's just called Daily Prayer with the Corimelia Community. I think is how you pronounce it. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, this is a, a modern book that was very. Um, I found it at the right time that I needed it. I actually talk about um, this book. It's called May It Be So, 40 Days with the Lord's Prayer. It's by um, Justin McRoberts and Scott Erickson. And this one and their other um, book that I believe is just called Prayer. I don't know where that is. I brought that along somewhere else with me. But um, they are just very, very simple Um I don't know, almost like blessings. And each one goes along with art. Mm, Um, Cool. Yeah. And it's just kind of an artful 
modern take. And yeah, their other book is called Prayer as well. And it's Justin wrote the words and then Scott did the art. Um, so highly recommend that as well. This is also um, like a go-to. It's by John O'Donohue. And it is To Bless the Space Between Us, a book of blessings. And, um, you know, it kind of is for all different types of breaks down to different um, times in our life or situation before sleep for, you know, this is um, for the traveler, for the senses and praise of air, for freedom, for a new beginning, just um, just so beautiful. So that's definitely a recommendation. Um, another writer that I admire so deeply is um, Jan Richardson. And she has a couple different books. Her books um, read like poetry to me. She very much drills down to um, kind of those core emotions that we feel. She doesn't shy away from the pain and holding that tension is the beauty of our life. Um, this one is Circle of Grace, a book of blessings for the seasons. Um, that goes to blessing the body, where breath begins, um, dazzling. You know, she kind of has this poetic heart, but they're also, um, you know, rooted in faith. And so very, very beautiful. Um, this is definitely marked up. There's coffee stains on it. It's common <laughs> prayer, a liturgy for ordinary radicals. And this is probably one of my introductions into the liturgical year and kind of mm. monasticism. Shane Claiborne and um, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove and Enuma Okoro. Um, they are the compilers of it. And it's very much rooted in justice mm. um, and living, you know, just world um, and just life together. So this really kind of these, these orders of liturgy kind of worship um, and scripture and songs. And so that is like, ha has been a companion for me in different stages of my life. And then I'll give you two more. <laughs> That'll, that should set you up for a oh, while. Oh, don't worry. We, uh, we are very bookish over oh, here good. and we love hearing all about the books. So. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. <laughs> so this one is a newer book to me. It's Celtic Daily Prayer. Um, and this oh, one's cool. to farther up and farther in. And it is just, I mean, it's huge. It's huge. But it's also very accessible and um, just steeped in kind of like the ancient church. Mm. And I think it would be really a fear alley. I don't know if you have it, but it's. I don't have beautiful. it. So that's Celtic Daily Prayer by. Yes. Mm -hmm. by and, who and it comes with two one? ribbon bookmarks. Which <gasps> I love a good ribbon bookmark. We love a good ribbon bookmark. Oh my bookmark. gosh. Yes. <laughs> Um, and it's definitely something that you can keep um, by your bed bedside. And now I'm like remembering, gosh, I have so many good books. And then this is a book that is not a book of prayers, but it's a book about prayer. And it's a newer book um, by Father James Martin, oh, Learning awesome. to Pray, A Guide for Everyone. And he is um, talks a lot about Ignatian spirituality. He is 
gosh, I, I have learned so much from his ministry and his writing. And mm-hmm. I think it's a book that I will go back to again and again in different um, times and seasons in my life. And he um, was generous enough to endorse to light their way, which was a huge gift to me. Um, I felt very humbled by that. Um, but it is a. I love his ministry. It, he is, has, it is beautiful. I, I, I follow his Instagram and, and he's yes. really something. He really is. Oh, that is so great. That's a wealth of riches to share with <laughs> us. Thank you. I, yes. um, like I said, my, my prayer library is woefully sparse. So mm. I will be um, waiting until after Christmas when hopefully I'll be getting a little bit of Christmas cash to spend yes. books. So. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I guess... Um, we are kind of winding down on time and, and so I have one last question for you. And then I'm going to ask you um, where folks can find you on social media um, if they wish to seek out your work further. Um, but I guess this is such a big question. I'm trying to figure out how to wait a way to ask it more simply. The question is, what have you learned about prayer by writing, by making this book? And I know that that's probably a, an hour-long answer, but maybe you could just give us a couple of your like, gut takeaways. I think that a lot of this at first came out of a very personal outpouring mm. of cries of my own heart as a mother, as a parent, as a friend, as a neighbor, as, as all of these different things. But what I've realized is that through the creation of creating this into a collection, into a book, um, you know, that can hopefully be turned to again and again, just like so many of these other books that have been a blessing to me is that this book, I might've been the person that, that wrote it and put it together, but it is not a book for me. It's not a Hmm. book centered in, me, it has been the prayers of so many other people. And um, when I wrote it, there were so many people that I interviewed and that I talked with and Mm. asked them, like, you've gone through a situation that I haven't gone through. Um, What would have you have prayed? What would have been a comfort to you? What what has been things about the situation that you've never heard somebody else say out loud, but is like universal Mm. to going through that, walking Mm -hmm. through that. And now that the book has been out for just a tiny bit, I've heard from other people like you couldn't have known that this is a prayer that I have been praying, you know? And it's like, it's just been such a a cool thing to play a small part in something so much bigger than myself. Like Mm -hmm. this is not about me, about building a platform. (laughs) You know, this has been this kind of like uniting experience that prayer is something that we all wrestle with. It's something that we've all had times where we didn't know the words to pray and that um, it's just kind of a releasing of shame and Mm. igniting Mm -hmm. in um, empathy and compassion. And I think that I didn't realize that when I first started writing this book, that it would be such um, an invitation into empathy Mm. and into holding space for and with each other and seeing that, you know, really God is a God of 
of all things and God is making all things new in all of these different areas of our life. You know, as humans, we compartmentalize so much and it's so easy to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but really seeing God in all of it and in the beauty and in the pain and in our work and in our children and in ourselves and in our very souls. And so I think it's just been this kind of constant reminder um, and even a constant reframing of um, who God is and who I am in this world and who the other people around me are. And so mm. it's been um, a gift to be able to steward that. I really like that idea of prayer as reframing. Mm. Um, that's really rich. Um, so the last the last thing is just, you know, if if folks want to seek you out on social media, where should they look? Where's best to find you? Yes. Well, I probably spend too much time on there. <laughs> but, you know, you can um, find me if you're looking for prayers and you're looking for um, kind of short, nuanced, modern prayers for parents. Though I also have heard from people who aren't parents, but, um, you know, want to to pray for, you know, the young people in their lives. Um, Liturgies for Parents is the Instagram account. And I am there. And then I also share just like my own um, glimpses of my own life and my own parenting journey, my own, you know, kind of space in in the world and in my neighborhood and reflections of faith and and justice um, at Kayla underscore Craig on Instagram. And then you can find... Um, my newsletter. Um, and, and that's kind of where I prefer to write because I can write, you know, broader and freer and I'm yes. not under the constraints of algorithms and yes. all of that. Oh gosh. And you can sign up there on my website, just kaylacraig.com. Um, and then the book is To Light Their Way, a collection of prayers and liturgies for parents. And um, right now it actually is being pretty hard to find. We're waiting on a second printing to show up. So um, right now, the best place that you can grab it is just Amazon. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, and, uh, thanks for coming on and talking about prayer with us today and, um, giving us so many good resources to seek out. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate your, your depth of questions and just your thoughtfulness. It's, it's fun to have these conversations and geek out. So I Yay. Love it. I'm so glad. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode today with Kayla Craig. I'm Dr. Grace Hammond, and you can follow me on social media at Old Books with Grace on Instagram and at Grace Hammond, PhD on Twitter. And uh, my last name is spelled H-A-M-M-A-N, like ham man. That can sometimes trip people up a little bit. Next episode, I'm very pleased to have Dr. Jessica Houghton Wilson on to talk with me about 20th century fiction and holiness. Um, and I have to confess, as a medievalist, 20th century fiction is not my usual forte. So I'm very excited to dive into that. Please uh, don't miss it. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. These kinds of things help other people to find the podcast and help me out too. I really appreciate it. Finally, if you'd like more medieval delightfulness in your inbox, 
that's not appearing here on the podcast, I do have a new Substack newsletter called Medievalish with Grace Hammond. You can go ahead and check it out. I'd love to have you join that community. Thanks again for listening.